Welcome to episode 44 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Hadamio. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary, we just talked. Yeah. So <laughs> I can't say what's happening with you this week because we, we, we're doing a back to back. Yes. So, I mean, yeah. It's, back, we're still here. Back. We're still here and we're still, we're still just miserable about the current state of affairs yeah. of the world. The only thing that's changed is I, I've yelled at my kids to use the bathroom or get something to eat quickly so we can start yes. doing this and maybe have some Saturday left. I, my, yes. my weekend has been so packed. I thought, well, I'll just have enough time in the afternoon to do some laundry and go grocery shopping. Like uh, that'll be the last thing that I do I am this weekend. so behind in my laundry. This week is going to be a good week for me to catch up on a lot of things. Yeah. So that'll be good, right? Yes. So today, oh, I'm going to tell you an old timey story. Oh, old timey. Yes. Of Sam Houston. Oh, oh, the Houston from Texas. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. okay Houston okay. is named after Houston. Yes. Let me tell you what popped in my head just now. Ooh. <laughs> There's a show called. Oh, for fuck's sake, with, uh, <laughs> oh my God, I just completely drew a blank. Dave Attell did a show on, um, on, uh, Comedy Central and okay. it was him. He would do a, uh, he would do a, sh- a like, comedy show and then he would be up all, I, I want to say it's called Up All Night oh, or something like that. That sounds familiar to me. Oh God. I cannot believe that I can. Oh, Insomniac. Okay. This show is so fucking good. Anyway, he goes, he does a show, like it ends like midnight. Then he walks around the city for hours or whatever city. And Houston was one of them. And I remember him standing. <laughs> this is sorry. This is yeah. so random. No, no, ridiculous. no, this is perfect. And then he stood in front of the sta- statue of Hu- Sam Houston. He's like, Sam Houston, fine. but you know, whatever. And yeah. the whole night he kept asking people about Sam Houston. And no one knew anything. No one knew anything. Yeah. Oh, good. So sorry. Hey, tune in, tune in, <laughs> tune in. What we're going to tell you. So I'm really going to focus on Sam Houston prior to his time okay. in Texas. Okay. Because he actually served as a U.S. House rep for Tennessee. Oh, wow. Then earned a seat as governor of Tennessee and then later became the Republic of Texas's first and third president, senator of Texas, and later served as governor of Texas. Mm. But his early career in Tennessee came to a halting end because of, believe it or not, marital strife. What? This story is is very strange. So I and I just thought like why not? Like we're the muck. We we cover mischief and weirdness. Yeah. So, so here we go. <laughs> so while Houston earned notoriety for his work in Texas, as we said the city's named, yeah. Houston is named after him. Our story is taking place in Tennessee. And of course I have to sing Tennessee. <laughs> Tennessee, there ain't no place I'd rather be. What? what? Baby, won't you carry me <laughs> back to Tennessee? Grateful Dead people. Oh, my God. Barefoot gonna... Lobo, Barefoot Lobo, you know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> they not only is he our number one fan, but he also likes the dead. Let me say something right now. <laughs> I always forget that you love the Grateful Dead. I don't know why it escapes my memory. Probably it's... because I can, don't understand this at yeah. all. <laughs> like, what is the fucking deal? Mary, With... Mary out there. Mary, you know. Girl, Medea, what is hello, the deal? Me. Yeah. Margaret, are you listening? <laughs> Our All fellow- these, you've surrounded yourself with deadheads. Yes. I Listen, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I feel it's the true. same thing about like fish or let me tell you another one. Dave Matthews band. Don't understand. Yes. It. People I, love that fucking band. And yes. I don't. And the doors. I cannot stand the doors. Like I am. T- I know. Oh, I love the doors. But when I hear, uh, what's that? What's that song? Rat is on the stairs. You know what I think ruined it for me? is fucking Val Kilmer. I think he killed the doors for me when he made that Maybe, movie. But he was kind of cute in that movie. Oh, God. You know what you need to see? My mm. kids love it. It is um, Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Fallon went through that phase where he would do like Bob Dylan yeah. and he did The Doors <laughs> and he did uh, Reading Rainbow, <laughs> Take a Look. And he did like this Doors version of it. It's so funny that and it's good. so good. Let um, me tell you, like my kids note, love it. I went to Paris with my mom like, oh God, let's see. I was probably in my mid-20s. 
And this French guy wow. walks past me and he comes back. He's like, oh, hello, beautiful lady. He was very cute, right? That was a hard, that was an Irish French accent. <laughs> anyway, beautiful lady. Anyway, so he, he, he walked with us to, to Notre Dame and we're standing there. He's like, tell me where you're staying. I want to take you to see the grave of Jim Morrison. <laughs> I was like, dude, I, but why? Because I'm American. I like the fuck, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, I'm just trying to walk around this fucking city. Like, I don't need to go see this. Yeah, I, I want to appreciate the, the Parisian sites, not yeah. the American sites. Gives a shit. <laughs> we're going to go put a joint on the, on the grave. Like, who gives a shit? No, I would totally go see that. Oh, Lord have mercy. See, he should have run into yes. you. Yeah. Most Americans must go there. And yeah. Go to I would find be that. like, what? Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Look me up. All right, All right, let's hear about this guy. Okay, so let me give you some background. So from what I've read, at around 16 years old, Houston ran away from home and found refuge with the Cherokees. Mm. And according to Johnny Boggs' article on History.net, Houston lived near the Cherokee as a kid. He enjoyed nature, the woods. And so joining up the Cherokee really didn't shock anyone. Like mm. he just went and lived with them and wow. kind of learned all about their culture, customs, etc. He lived with them for three years, and in that time they gave him the name The Raven. That was mm. his uh, Cherokee name. So I want to make it clear, though, that he did work with the Cherokee as a senator later on in terms of Native American rights, but he really sold out the Native Americans. Big surprise. Uh, he... He, like many other Southern white men of his time, he was a racist. He was an imperialist, uh, you know, manifest destiny and all that garbage. Uh, he, Jackson, Andrew Jackson was his mentor. Ugh, he's on my okay. list too, this motherfucker. But let me ask you some Slave owner. Then why is he hanging out over there? So, but because he lived with the Cherokee, he understood them. And he had a different point of view than most whites of his day. He really did. Mm. But even though he had that point of view... And he could have probably done uh, a lot for the Cherokee. He didn't really do as much as he, he could have or should have. And he really um, went along with Jackson on some things that hurt uh, Native Americans. Damn. So, But back to his early life. He spends time with the Cherokee. You know, like I said, learns his customs, etc. But then he returns back home and eventually finds his way to the army. That's when he catches Andrew Jackson's eye. And Jackson ultimately becomes you know, this, this mentor to him. And I feel like, you know, aside from Jackson, like Trump, I mean, I feel like Trump is, you know, uh, they're like the two worst presidents ever. Yeah. So, um, but Houston ends up fighting in the war of 1812 and Mm. this, he has this, um, he has some battle injuries that occur from that. And these are important to remember for later on in the story. So he had a barbed arrow, some accounts say it hit his groin area. Mm. Some say it hit his upper thigh, which would be right sort of near. in that area. And it leaves this really nasty gash, but he keeps fighting despite that injury. And after that war and after sort of the heroism, I guess, that he displayed, he ends up getting into politics and he starts rising through the ranks, especially because he's got this connection to Jackson. So I'm not going to go into really highlighting his career, I want to jump into the scandal that he's known for. So this is, we're the muck, we're not History 101, so we're just going to get to the nitty gritty. So believe it or not, like I said, his big scandal was separating from his wife. Mm. And it's very mysterious. But this incident with his wife ends up leading to a crime that he commits later on. Mm. So from what I could gather, when he's 35, um, Jackson basically encourages him to get married because he is now in politics. He's a, he's a politician. <laughs> and in order for him to, I guess, yeah, be respectable, be respectable, he's yeah. got to have, he's got to be married. And so he ends up marrying this 19 year old named oh, Eliza. And now me. again, from various accounts, she comes from this, um, aristocratic family, very well to do, very well respected, uh, in Tennessee. And she doesn't really want to marry him. Mm. He's, you know, 35 years old. Yeah. And it's ale- gr- that's gross. Yeah. Allegedly, <laughs> she yeah. has a boy that she's in love with. Oh, no. But her parents and others keep pressuring her saying, you know, you'll be first lady because they really thought that Houston was like on the track of being groomed to be the next president at some point in his career. Mm. So they're like, you'll be first lady. It'll be, you know, you'll have this great life. And so despite being in love with the other guy, 
she ends up taking the plunge with Houston in January of 1829. But by April of 1829, just like 10 weeks later, they're separated. Dang. And they officially file for divorce, and, and the divorce gets finalized in 1833. What the so, fuck happened? So th- this thing happens, and he resigns. He resigns as governor when they separate. And I was, like, so confused. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, they just separated. Like, why is this a big deal? He was governor of Texas at the time. Uh, of Tennessee. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this okay. is his sorry, early sorry. life. He starts in Tennessee. Sorry, sorry, yeah. So this confused me. And I was like, okay, is it really that bad to separate from someone? So I researched, like, 19th century, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, American marriage laws and what was sort of customary at the time. And so uh, a Hendrick Hartog published a lecture to the Georgetown Law Journal in 1991, where he explains that at the time, there were four overlapping definitions regarding marriage. One, marriage united a man and a woman, giving them a singular identity. Two, marriage transformed, transformed men and women into husbands and wives. Mm -hmm. Three, marriage produced a public relationship in terms of which were not negotiable Mm -hmm. by the parties. And four, marriage affected a permanent transformation, one that would continue as long as both husband and wife survived. So all of this is like at the same time, these four working definitions Mm. are together so that you no longer have these separate identities. Like you are one identity when you are married. And he further explained that um, the we, right, meant this the public acknowledged that they were this one thing. So, for example, if a woman was unmarried at the time, she could buy and sell proper property, she could be sued, um, she could sue, but once she was married, none of that was permitted anymore. She couldn't have her own property. She could not. She basically, like, belonged to the husband. So... Yeah, she became the property. Yeah, she did, yeah. So... There was this idea that, like, also, like, divorce was super rare. Yeah. Like, you couldn't just divorce someone. And that was an issue, too. So the fact that they separated, like, everybody was like, well, what's going on? And they wouldn't talk and give a reason. So now people are starting to get riled up. Like, is there a gay thing happening here? Well, 35-year-old bachelor. He's a 35-year-old bachelor. (laughs) But, no, he ends up marrying, like, later. But, again, someone else. But So back to Eliza. So according to Sarah Booth, uh, Conroy's article in the Washington Post uh, allegedly says that, or claims that Eliza, while watching, so they get married, right? They have their honeymoon night. Mm-mm. The next day, they visit friends, and she is there, and he is having a snowball fight with the people's kids. They're out in the yard, like, oh, Lord. and she's on the porch with the wife of the person they're visiting, crying. No, <laughs> no sorry, no, 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 and they're watching. And she says, I wish with all my heart they would kill him. Oh, my God. Yes. So every so there's this huge mystery, and no one knows the real answer as to, like, what happened that night, like, that this is her response. So an AP article posted in the Post-Intelligencer notes that the wound that, that oh. Houston received in the groin back in 1812 never really healed. And it was like this festering, gaping, seeping <laughs> wound that had this like horrific Smell. odor to it. And some people think that she may have been like turned off. Yeah, blowjobs are out of the question. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going Other there. accounts say that that wound kind of did heal, but that he had bullet wounds also that were in the shoulder. And that was the wound that never healed and it was seeping and his whole chest, he was just like covered in scars, Ugh. bullet wounds, seeping, festering. And I, and that, that, that like maybe when she had the wedding night was like, like completely disgusted f- by everything. And she's 19, bro. And she's 19. <laughs> she's 19. I know. Oh my God. But, and so in, in one of, um, in, in a, in a Michael Farquhar's book, uh, Great American Scandals noted that Houston's wound he notes that it was in the shoulder area, but that for 30 years, that thing was seeping and oozing. Oh, Tina, 30 years. I'm, I'm going to vomit. It's disgusting. So, Farquhar <laughs> explains that because Eliza came from this uh, aristocratic family. Can't they sew it? I mean, can't you get stitches? What the I, fuck? I don't know. I don't know what the... I, it's so gross. So, they explain that because she comes from this, you know, well-to-do, well-renowned family, 
when the Tennesseans hear that they've separated, they flip out. So remember, he gets married in his 30s, and for him to leave this upstanding sweet girl, people were riled up. Like folks go crazy. They get so upset that they burn him in effigy across towns, like across several towns in Tennessee. Oh my God. So he's like, you know, persona non grata. And like, like, so he, he basically, (laughs) he basically has to skip town. So he resigns from being the governor. And prior to that though, he begs her like, please come back to me. And she's like, no, like she goes back to her parents and he's like, you know, um, I just she, she refuses. In my head, I see this like snooty nineteen year old rich girl, and she's I just like, dare you? Like, you're just yeah, you're, you're disgusting. so gross. Ew, you stink. Like, yeah. Is this what you? Ew, what's that coming yeah. out of your leg? Ew, ew. I'm in so, love with another boy. Like, I don't even be here. Yeah, you're <laughs> so disgusting. Yeah. Ugh, you're so old and gross. Ew. So. <laughs> I'm what? a I'm a veteran of the war. Yeah. Ugh, don't talk to me anymore. I want out of this. <sighs> so he resigns as governor. Neither he nor Eliza <laughs> oh ever spill the deets on why they split. And Dang. he ends up turning to alcohol. He becomes a drunk for a few years. Oh, Lord. He flees in exile to Arkansas, and he hides out with the Cherokee there. Oh, like, that's what oh, he does. Now he's going back now to the Cherokee. Now he goes Cherokee. back to the Cherokee. Oh, that's So convenient. there he is. So... Um, the one thing that I thought was really funny is that he provides her father with a letter, uh, guar- a certificate guaranteeing that she is still chaste so that she can like oh, remarry. Well, so <laughs> he gives this certificate, like there was no hanky panky. Fa- oh, Sam Houston does that? Yeah. Okay. okay. He, he offers that to the dad, like, oh, here's the certificate. Like she's a, you know. Virgin. Yep. She's still virgin. Ugh. So gross. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe it's the truth. Maybe she took one look at that and was like, I'm not going near you. I think it is true. Yeah. So, um, so that happens. So he goes to live with the Cherokee and while living with the Cherokees, Hartog cites Houston, uh, biographer, Alfred M. Williams, who wrote that during that time, quote, Houston let his hair grow and braided it in a long queue, which hung down his back. He wore his beard upon his chin in a quote, goatee shaving the rest of his face. So that's where he is. He's got the hair. He's like living it up. <laughs> I love with this guy, dude. The Cherokee. Yes. So in the meantime, another article from the Free Press by Barty Haley notes that Eliza reconsidered and tried to reconcile twice Whoa. with Houston via letter. And he said, there's no salv- salvaging this marriage. So now he's been like drunk with the yeah. and living with the Cherokee. And I don't know what's going on. So some accounts say he was so sick in love with her that it like destroyed everything. And others say like something completely different. Like he just went in exile. But while he was in exile, like he right away marries oh. um, a woman from the Cherokee tribe. Okay. She was half Cherokee. Okay. Um, I see like, this is where I see him more comfortable anyway. Yeah. Like I don't. So there he goes with that. But then he doesn't have any children with her. And then he basically leaves her because he, after a few <laughs> years, he comes out and he decides to go to D.C. and he wants to try, try to get back in with Jackson and he wants to go to Texas. And again, that's where he sort of helps Jackson steal land from Native Americans. Jesus, model so, in the sky. What the yeah, fuck, so, man? So, so some people say like he's so upset about, you know, what happened with Eliza <laughs> that he, he, you know, had turned to alcohol. He, he's lost his confidence. Like he he's not the same guy that was like, you know running forward in the, the, the war of 1812 with wounds and like, just like fighting, like so something's happened to him um, because of this whole breakup. <laughs> but he decides to come out. And while he's in DC, he's trying to get money to go to Texas. And while he's there, he is like the, uh, you know, they're in session, uh, Congress, and there is a Congressman William Stanberry. And on the House floor, he accuses Houston of selling out the Native Americans Boom. when he was governor. Yes. And Houston is offended. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he <clears> is. And what does someone do back in the 19th century when their honor oh. is offended? What do they do? Okay, so one of two things. Either slaps him in the face with a glove or <laughs> yeah. duel. Right. Challenges to a duel. Yeah, he challenges him to a duel. And Sanbury's just like, whatever. Like, he, <laughs> you know, he just kind of walks away like, yeah, dude. So um, the accusations, I think, happen on the House floor, but... I don't know why he was like happened to be present during that particular thing, but Sanbury ignores that crap story over, right? No. 
A few days later, Ugh. Houston, drunk, Ugh. is out on the streets, pissed off, and he's bumbling along Pennsylvania Avenue. Oh, and wouldn't you know it, Sanbury Uh-oh. happens to pass him by. Oh, no. And similar to your episode uh, 20, in episode 25 when you co- covered Charles Sumner. Yes. Houston beats Sanbury with a cane. Damn. And Sanbury tries to shoot him, but something goes wrong with the gun, and Houston just lets him have it some more. And once people hear about this, they demand that Houston be arrested. So <laughs> according to Van Craddock's Longview News Journal article, article houston is charged with uh contempt of congress which is obstructing the work of the u.s congress or one of its members Mm -hmm. and they also charge him with breach of privilege so sanbury said that his comments were privileged because they were on the house floor and that again that houston is obstructing him as a member from completing his Mm. duties right like you're you know um so this whole thing happens and then the aftermath Mm. so um He's reprimanded by the Speaker of the House. But during, he had this trial, right? And um, he had counsel. And halfway through, he decides to represent himself. Mm. And he gave such a speech, like during this, that the entire place just breaks out in applause. And they're like, you know, they go wild for him because he gives this like crazy speech. And all of this boosts. The fragile ego oh. that he had, right? <laughs> so at the end, the speaker was even moved and like they don't really, they, they, he just gets a reprimand like, uh, you know, don't go doing that caning again. Like you keep that temper in control. And like, that's really it. Like nothing else. <laughs> oh my God. So he gets confidence to move into Texas and that's where his uh, career blew up. But again, some other accounts say, no, 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 no. It didn't really bolster his reputation. That It may have bolstered his ego, but it didn't bolster his reputation. And it may have further tarnished it. Mm. And so even though people like were clapping and, hey, great, great, but there were other people, probably those on the side of, um, of Sanbury, who didn't yeah. like this. And so he kind of hightails it out of there and then makes his way to Texas. So, which is where he wanted to be anyway. Which is where he wanted to be anyway. So some points of interest. One, Houston is the only person to serve governor of two states because he was governor mm, of Tennessee and yes. then later becomes governor Very interesting. of Texas. Conroy noted in his article that while Eliza did later remarry and have children, when she died, she wanted all old letters, photos, everything, everything burned. And she even requested to be buried in an unmarked grave. So what? I don't know what She's happened. Nuts. Wait, like, all what? of her stuff... From every letter she's ever written, anybody or everything that has to do with Houston? Everything. What in the hell? I don't know. I don't know. So he was the only governor who didn't want Texas to secede. And History.com notes that while he held slaves, he didn't want to see slavery spread. And he ends up getting replaced as governor because of that. It doesn't redeem some of the other stuff that this guy's did, but but that was one thing. And the one thing that I thought was really interesting, well, he was at that trial, and remember, he decides, I'm going to represent myself, but he did have a lawyer. Mm-hmm. His lawyer was Francis Scott Key, who <gasps> wrote the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't that funny? Yeah, he was rolling around with some pretty interesting characters. Yes. Dang. So that's the story of Sam Houston, the two-state governor of America. Now I now I think the statue should be removed that, that David yeah. Tell was standing in front of. This guy shouldn't fucking be there. Yeah. So, Betrayed the Cherokee people. Yeah. Damn, Tina, so good. Yeah, so I was like, good. oh, this is like an old timey. Why not? I love it. Yeah, Ooh, I can't wait for yours. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Oh my oh, god. No, no. Let me buckle so, up. Let me buckle up. Buckle up because this is the last podcast before the epi- before the election. Okay, this is coming out take a breather. October twenty eighth. Oh my god. So episode forty five will be the day after the election. Did you know, like, that's, like, the next episode we record is going to be the day after the election. Oh, God. But we're not going to know <laughs> what happened because it's oh going to be, God. we're going to record it probably before the election, right? Like, yeah. anyway. So, I thought we'd talk about somebody. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> A very special person. Oh, no. Who, we found out this week, like, flies love him. Oh yes, girl! (laughs) Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! We are going to talk about Mike Pence. Uh, 
and the AIDS crisis in Indiana. Thank you. Let's go. Flies this love shit. Motherfucker. Okay, here we go. Oh Ready? my God. God, I hate him so much. Please. <laughs> I'm really more, I, I'm very afraid of him. Well, this is what I said on my, yes. I, you know, my my debate nights. I'm on, on Facebook re- reacting to every single yeah. quote that happens. And I, no, he's and we've said it on this podcast before. We have said it many times. Yeah. This is the guy. This guy and all the other little fucking creeps are yes. holding up Trump. Yes. Because he's so frightening. Because it's, it is, it's, it's kind of a goofy, goofy, scary when, when Trump is in a debate Trump is or says things. Yeah. I mean, like you're dealing with something that with, with some sort of mental illness, I don't understand. Yes. Pence is a different beast. Yes. And people will vote for him. Yeah. He's, you know, like the never, the never Trump or Republicans would vote for Pence. Yeah. So, but he's very calmly, he's saying the same things Trump is saying, but in a different tone of voice. Yes. And that's a scary, that's a scary guy. And all I kept thinking during that debate, I I was frustrated with the moderator. I I, I was, (laughs) um, there was one moment where she finally said, you promised and like, you know, but, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Like, I get what you're doing, but it needed to be like, shut up. Yeah. Or it needed someone, uh, I was talking to someone the other day. And, uh, my friend, Karen, mm-hmm. uh, and she said, what they really need up there are the people that host the, uh, the, the, the moderators for the high school debate, because <laughs> right. those people shut everybody down like that. Yeah. That's who they, they need someone like that. Well, in there that is just able to shut it down. The, these journalists that are in there as moderators are great for the questions, but they are not capable of, of reigning. The difference is the people, They're not able the people to. that are participating in a debate might actually have respect for the moderators. These, these, these yeah, guys have no respect yeah, for anybody. So, so you need someone that can shut it down. And she wasn't able to shut it down. I, I was thankful that uh, Kamala was able to say, I deserve my time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have my say and get my time because he kept going over. So, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that was good. But th- I kept thinking, he's got these two women. Mm-hmm. He's got he's to gotta defer to the moderator, mm-hmm. right? And then he's got this other woman that he's debating and it must, it must it's just rile him up. And thank God mother was in the room because otherwise he wouldn't have even been able to have the yeah. debate. Can't be in the room with more than yeah. two women alone. Yeah. With one woman alone, right? One woman, Can't dear be God. <sighs> so Michael Richard Pence uh, was Dick. born June 7th, 19... that middle name? Richard I'm just talking Dick about his Pence. Yeah, Michael <laughs> Dick Pence. <laughs> June 7th, 1959 in Columbus, Indiana, one of six children of Anne, Jane, and Edward Joseph Pence, who ran a group of gas stations. His father served in U.S. Army in the U.S. Army uh, during the Korean War and received the Bronze Star in 1953, which Pence displays in his office along with its, its commendation commendation letter and reception photograph pence named his was named after his maternal grandfather richard michael cawley who emigrated from Ducastle county mayo ireland to the united states through ellis island following an aunt and his brother james and became a bus driver in chicago illinois so this is who this person is named after a grandfather not that far of a separation, right. you know, of, of generations and generations. No, it's, right. you know, his immediate grandfather yep. who emigrated here. Yep. Okay. And it sounds but, like chain migration, by the way. Yeah. Um, but they're good people. Yeah. And he should look into the history of how the Irish not from were, one of the, were treated. They're not from one first. of the shit countries, I guess. Pence graduated from Columbus North High School in 1977. He earned a Bachelor of Arts in History from Hanover College in 1981 and a Juris Doctor from the Robert H. McKinney School of Law at Indiana University, uh, the Purdue uh, University in Indianapolis in 1986. After graduating from Hanover, Pence was an admissions counselor at the college from 1981 to 1983. In his childhood and early adulthood, Pence was a Roman Catholic and a Democrat, as was the rest of the family. I was going to say they're Irish. Yeah. He volunteered for the Bartholomew County Democratic Party in 1976 and voted for Jimmy Carter in the 1980 presidential election and has said he was originally inspired to get involved in politics by people such as John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King Jr. What happened? Uh, While in college, Pence became an evangelical born-again Christian to the great disappointment of his mother. Well, of course. His political views, views also started shifting to the right during this time in his life. Something. Wait, how did he become an evangelical? Where was he? The, he's after college. No, he's no, no. Where, this is so starting in college, he started to 
hang out. This is where he met his wife. His wife was one of these. He started hanging out with this group that were born again, da, 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 evangelicals. And his wife was like in that group. Oh, God. So that's who he's hanging out with. Oh, God. So she's she's the one that's like, call me mother. Yes. But his, uh. so his views started to shift during this time, something which Pence attributes to the common sense conservatism of Ronald Reagan, with which he began to identify. So this is like, because let's see, he graduated, yeah, 1980, 1986, he graduated college. So wait, he gra- I thought he graduated college in the 70s and was an admissions rep. He graduated his Juris Doctor in 1986, so his law degree. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, he met her in law school. Yeah. Okay. Okay, sorry, so, sorry, sorry. That's okay. So after graduating from law school, Pence was an attorney in private practice. In 1988, Pence ran for Congress against Democratic incumbent public, uh, Philip Sharp, but lost. He ran against Sharp again in 1990, quitting his job in order to work full-time in the campaign, but once again was unsuccessful. During the race, Pence used political donations to pay the mortgage on his house, oh, his personal credit card wait, bill, groceries, no. golf tournament fees, and car payments for his wife. Golf tournament fees? Mm-hmm. How, that's campaign fraud. Yeah. So did he get arrested? While the spending was not illegal at the time, it reportedly undermined his campaign. During the night, so this is what, so it, they changed the laws yes. after this had happened. That must be nice to pay your mortgage. Yeah. With campaign donations. Could you imagine? Oh my God. I know. No wonder you're losing your election because you're not putting the money where it's supposed to go. Right. Dumb, dumb. But he quit his job to do this. Please. He quit his job to get uh, his house paid for. Yeah. During the 1990... Yeah, he's a fraudster. Yeah. During the 1990 campaign, Pence ran a television advertisement in which an actor dressed in a robe and headdress and speaking in a thick Middle Eastern accent thanked his opponent, Sharp, for doing nothing to wean the United States off imported oil as chairman of a House subcommittee on energy and power. In response to the criticism, Pence's campaign responded that the advertisement was not about Arabs. Rather, it concerned rather it concerned Sharp's lack of leadership. So that twist of like, this isn't about, this isn't racist or what, this is about this what? guy's lack of leadership. Why would he do that? Dear God. In 1991, Pence wrote an essay called Confessions of a Negative Campaigner, published in the Indiana Policy Review, in which he apologized for running negative ads against Sharp. I guess if you ask for forgiveness, everything's fine, right? Yeah. Shortly after his first congressional campaign in 1988, radio station WRCR-FM in Rushville, Indiana, hired Pence to host a weekly half-hour radio show called Washington Update with Mike Pence. (laughs) Why do they all have radio shows? I don't know. (laughs) Tina. I don't know. In 1992, Pence began hosting a daily talk show on WRCR, The Mike Pence Show, in addition to a Saturday show on WNDE in Indianapolis. Pence called himself Rush Limbaugh on decaf. Oh, come on. <laughs> on decaf. What an idiot. He's so funny. What an idiot. Uh, he called himself that since he considered himself politically conservative while not as bombastic as Limbaugh. Oh. But just as dangerous. Just because yeah. it's the same thing he's doing now. Because he's got that... that I don't, the, he's just so like when he runs for president it'll be like president on decaf i'm trump on decaf yeah that's what's gonna happen you're just as scary rich limbaugh is scary yeah he's, he's but decaf horrifying. tastes gross so yeah. <laughs> yeah my mom tries to give me decaf coffee i go girl what i'm drinking coffee to get energy like yes. decaf coffee what's the point um so beginning on April 11th, 1994, Network Indiana syndicated the Mike Pence show statewide with a 9 a.m. with a 9 a.m. to noon time slot. The program began reached as many as 18 radio stations in Indiana, including WIBC in Indianapolis. I mean, what is he talking about? Does he have guests? What is he doing? He's just like blabbering on, probably. And this I is could- the 90s, so he's just probably railing against like you know the Clintons. Yeah, probably. Uh, Pence ended his radio show in September 1999 to focus on his 2000 campaign for Congress. So Pence rejuvenated his political career by running for the U.S. House of Representatives again in 2000, this time winning the seat in Indiana's 2nd Congressional District after a six-year incumbent, David M. McIntosh, opted to run for governor of Indiana. As a congressman, uh, Pence adopted, He, you know, obviously he won, and he was a uh, in the House of Reps from 2001 to 2013. As a congressman, Pence adopted the slogan he had used on the radio, describing himself as, quote, a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. 
While in Congress, Pence belonged... Pence belonged to the Tea Party Caucus. In his first year in office, Pence opposed President George W. Bush's No Child Left Behind Act in 2001, as well as President Bush's Medicare prescription drug expansion the following year. Remember George W. Bush? Yep. (laughs) My daughter was saying today that she, she, you know, my husband's a Republican, and she was like, I, I... I was like, I don't know who to pick for this election. You know, I don't want to upset daddy and I don't want to upset you. I said, Pamela, you got to, oh, I said, I said, honey, I said, there's no choice here. Like I said, if, you know, any other time I would be like, I said, you know, if there was a a rational, whatever that looks like Republican. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I said, I could talk, we could have talk, do those talking points. I said, this is not somebody, anybody should, this isn't even an option here. Trump is not a normal candidate for the no. Republican Party, so. and she and 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 she can go on and uh, look, yes, and and research and read Please. and I mean, and look at so the differences, ridiculous. and and then she can say, yeah, I chose this because, yeah. And I said, and I also told her, you don't ever have to discuss it with us no. ever. You don't it's have to. Private you know how you choice. won't disappoint us. You don't have to tell us who you're voting for. Yeah. Just please vote. That's all I care about. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So Pence was reelected four more times by comfortable margins. Pence began to climb the party leadership structure from 2005 to 2007 and was chairman of the Republican Study Committee, a group of conservative House Republicans. In November 2006, Pence announced his candidacy for leader of the Republican Party, which at the time would be the minority leader in the U.S. House of Representatives. Pence's release announcing for his run for minority leader focused on a quote return to the value to the values of the new gingrich headed 1994 republican oh. revolution we've talked about okay. this okay now we, it's all coming to light yes we know who he likes remember this yes that's a great episode go listen to the that new is gingrich a great episode. episode i mean it was long but it was so fucking yeah good. but but that guy mm. i mean he, he started he, all of he this started all of this pence and that's who pence wants to yeah, return patient to. zero yeah go listen to patient zero that's right that's <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's patient zero. <laughs> However, he lost the bid to Representative John Boehner of Ohio by a vote of 168 oh. for Boehner, 27 for Pence, and one for Representative Joe Bart- Barton of Texas. Boehner tears. Oh, remember? I know. Oh, God, baby. he was so emotional. Yeah, sweet baby. So during Pence's 12 years in the House, he introduced 90 bills and resolutions. None became law. Because I'm sure they were all garbage. Zero became law. Okay. Garbage. Yeah. Way nice leadership. Ninety bills and resolutions. Wow. Ninety. Uh so And I'm gonna guess that they're all like somehow Christian based. Of course. Yeah. And probably cutting taxes, things like yeah, that. God. Um so in May two thousand eleven, Pence announced that he would be seeking the Republican nomination for governor in two thousand twelve of Indiana, right? He ran on a platform that touted the successes of his predecessor and promised to continue educational reform and business deregulation of the current governor, uh, Mitch Daniels, who was term limited. Despite strong name recognition and a popular outgoing uh, governor of the same party, Pence found himself in a heated race, eventually pulling out a close win with just under 50 percent of the vote, uh, just and less than 3% ahead of former Speaker of the House of Representatives, Democrat John R. Gregg. Pence was sworn in as the 50th governor of Indiana on January 14th, 2013. Yeah. So here's some things he did as governor for education. He supported significant increases to preschools, voucher programs, and charter schools. You know, this is the thing. (laughs) I know when I bring this shit up, you're going to get fucking nuts. We need... A strong public education system. Private institutions should not be getting money from the government because those private institutions can decide who they want to take and who they don't want to take. Right. Right. And they're going to base it on test scores and behavior and Mm -hmm. whatever other thing. Unless you have something to offer that public school, they may not take you. Right. Or they just want the money. And the charter schools the same thing. These mm-hmm. charter schools, depending on who's running it, they can kick students out prior to testing so that their test scores look better. Right. And make them go back to their home school. Like it's it's a it is such a garbage system. It's a racket, really. And these charter schools. Education should not be privatized. It should not be part of like, you know, this competition, whatever they want to do, this whole Republican idea. You need a strong, we have the right to a strong public education system. Well, Tina. Our students deserve to be educated. Our schools, just thinking about our current schools. Yeah. 
Uh, in May 2015, Pence signed a bill stripping Glenda Ritz, the Indiana Superintendent of Public Edu- Instruction, an elected Democrat, of much of her authority over standardized testing and other education issues and reconstituting the State Board of Education dominated by Pence appointees. The bill also allowed the board to appoint a chairman other than the Superintendent of Public Instruction starting in 2017 and added the State Board of Education again, controlled by Pence, as a, quote, state educational authority, along with the Department of Education, controlled by Ritz, for purposes of assessing sensitive student data. Pence and Ritz also clashed over non-binding federal guidelines that advised Indiana public schools must treat transgender students in a certain way that corresponds with their gender identity, even if their education files indicate a different gender. So they, they're just, yeah. you know, he's just getting involved right. in shit he shouldn't fucking he shouldn't be involved be. in. And, and again, she from, was elected, from, by the way, an elected yes. person. And again, this is coming from the party that doesn't want big government. Yeah. No big government. Government shouldn't be involved. But somehow they like to stick their hands in everything. Yeah. But oh, government's not involved. It's my favorite. So abortion in March 2016, Pence, as Indiana governor, signed into law HB 1337, a bill that both banned certain abortion procedures and placed new restriction on abortion providers. The bill banned abortion if the reason for the procedure given by the woman was the fetus's race or gender or fetal abnormality. Now, who the fuck goes in? to an abortion clinic and says like i don't want this baby because the father was xyz or oh i don't want a boy i don't want a girl yeah no no one does that this is how they chip 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 right they chip away at all this stuff no one does that nobody does that in addition the bill required that all fetal remains from abortions or miscarriages at any stage of pregnancy be buried or cremated which according to the Guttmacher institute was not required in any other state. Listen, so the, the, the woman would have right. to pay for a funeral, yes. basically. Yes, listen. For, for, for I'm sorry. Like, fetal they're, matter. They're, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, th- it's not a baby. Okay, oh. when they start changing language, read a science book, look at the different stages, and stay out of people's vaginas. Well, this is, again, you just said they'd like to, the government shouldn't yeah. be involved. Why is the government up my vagina? Yeah. And involved in my body? They, they really shouldn't. Like, and telling just, me I got to bury, bury this. Oh, shit. my what God. What the hell? No. Okay. One, it's traumatic enough. It is traumatic. If they don't understand that for, you know, the majority of women that have to go through this, it is trauma. Yes. It is emotional trauma. Yes. It's not a decision that people make lightly. And then you're going to have a faux ceremony. Yeah. And make someone engage in a faux ceremony so that you can like further legitimize your point of view that this is a baby being bare. Like no one is murdering a baby. Yeah. Well, no one is doing that. The law was described as quote, exceptional for its breadth. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. End quote. If implemented, it would have made Indiana the, quote, the first state to have a blanket ban on abortions based solely on race, sex, or suspected disabilities, including evidence of Down syndrome, end quote. Days after the U.S. Supreme Court issued its decision in the Whole Woman's Health v. Heller, Hellerstadt, a federal court issued a pr- preliminary injunction blocking the bill from taking effect, with U.S. District Judge Tanya Walton Pratt determining that the bill was likely to be unconstitutional and that the state of Indiana would be like, unlikely to prevail at trial. The abortion bill was, subs- was subsequently ruled unconstitutional in April 2018 by the U- United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. So, Thank God. But... It's they're trying. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Um, like, like, they need to stop already. Like, why don't you focus that's your That's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. Focus your efforts on, you know, sex education. Right. Focus your efforts on other means to talk to people and educate them and understand that mistakes happen. Birth control isn't 100%. Like, accidents happen and stay out of people's personal business. Right. And when are we going to start holding some of these fathers accountable? You know, you, what you're doing is punishing women. Oh, yeah. So they even get pregnant on their own, motherfucker. Yeah. Piece of shit. All right. Religion and LGBTQ rights. And we know he's super anti-LGBTQ. Oh, my God. On March 26, 2015, Pence signed Indiana State Bill 101, also known as the Indiana Religious Objections Bill, also known as Religious Freedom Restoration Act, into oh, law. Oh, come on. 
The move was praised by religious conservatives, but criticized by people and groups who felt the law was carefully worded in a way that would permit discrimination against LGBTQ persons. Of course. Such organizations as the National Collegiate Athletic Association, the Gamer Convention, Gen Con, and the Disciples of Christ spoke out against the law. Apple CEO Tim Cook and Salesforce.com CEO Mark Benioff condemned the law with Salesforce.com saying it would halt its plans to expand in the state. Good. Angie's List announced they would cancel a $40 million expansion of their Indianapolis-based headquarters over concerns with the law. The expansion would have moved 1,000 jobs into the state. Thousands, and that state needs jobs, yeah. P.S. Thousands Midwest. protested against the policy. Five Republican state representatives voted against the bill, and Greg Bollard, the Republican mayor of Indianapolis, criticized it as saying the, sending the wrong signal about the state. Pence defended the law, saying it was about it was not about discrimination. In an mm. appearance on the ABC News program this week with George Stephanopoulos, okay. he said, "We are quote We are not going to change this law." While refusing to answer whether examples of discrimination against LGBTQ people given by Eric Miller of the anti-LGBT group Advance America would be legal under the law, Pence denied the law that denied the law permitted discrimination and wrote in a March thirty first two thousand fifteen Wall Street Journal op ed. Quote, if I saw a restaurant owner refuse to serve a gay couple, I wouldn't eat there anymore. As governor of Indiana, I w- if I were presented a bill that legalized discrimination against any person or group, I would veto it, end quote. Except so, here's the thing. Let me he see, doesn't what, believe these are real people. Like yeah. He doesn't think that they are really gay. He probably thinks that they believe this, that it's not right. a real thing. Like He doesn't really believe in this, or in these, in this group of people, this community. And what is the, the, the law? it's it's the so rifra religious freedom it's confusing because it says yeah. religious freedom when everybody's right. like yes i'm for religious freedom right, right? like everybody believes that but then that but allows what, you to discriminate because my religion doesn't believe in yes yeah, so if a gay X, couple y, and z yeah so if right, a gay i don't couple, have to make a cake for you i don't have that's to, right if yeah. you come i would like you yeah, to make yeah, my yeah. wedding cake and they can go we don't make cakes for gay couples so we don't so you know or oh you know God. things like yeah so it's exactly what that would do so pence received heavy, heavy criticism from liberals at, liberals at the time signing the religious freedom law who labeled him as anti-gay. In 2018, emails released to the Associated Press showed that conservatives had also opposed his changing the law. Okay, so as we know, uh, he becomes the vice president, right? On July 15, 2016, Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump announced via Twitter <laughs> that his choice for VP was Mike Pence. He and he <sighs> most likely chose him to poll the evangelical yeah, of side of the vote. You know, although evangelicals have done nothing to, in my opinion, distance themselves from this president. Um, they love I, him. They, they love think him. that so he's the flawed know. because what is it that that the Bible says that the next person to save them or whatever is a flawed human being, and Trump is flawed. Yeah, and then there are people like when he had Corona that said he has the God gene. <laughs> and the God gene will get him through this because he's different. And did you also read that he wanted Trump wanted to wear a Superman shirt when he was leaving the hospital? What? For the staff. Yeah. For the staff? Yeah. Like, look, I made it through Superman. He was there for like 24 hours. Yeah. Oh, such a dick. He's so, he's a level of delusional that I. But this is why when people like Pence want to act like they're all holier than thou and all of this stuff, I don't believe it. You're no. upholding a fucking moron, um, a, a maniac, a maniac. People. And for oh. what? To further your own agenda. Right. So, he so could you're come one back. step away from the presidency and could yeah. possibly become president to further your agenda. Yes. You're allowing a maniac to be the, at the helm of this fucking country. So take your religion and shove it up your yes. ass. Shove it way up there. Way up, way up there. Go fuck Leave yourself. Leave it there. Were you going to say something? I interrupted you. No, I well, I was going to say with Pence, you know, he he's on that stage and he's such a liar. You <laughs> know, and you talk about two hundred thousand people more plus dead, and he wants to bring up like the swine 12th, the swine flu deaths. Like <laughs> it, it's like <laughs> you're talking about twelve thousand versus two. I, I don't understand, like, and, and how Trump has everything under control because they, he stopped China from coming in and yeah. the racism. With even like the repetition of the word China, yeah, you know, it Green was just New like, Deal was falling out of his mouth faster than yeah. anything I've never. I'm like, why does he keep saying Green New Deal? Because people go, oh my yeah. god, that's AOC. It's AOC. It's, yeah, like it's socialism, all, Green New Deal. It's yeah. all these. They have words. like their three little things, their little dog fear. whistles. Fear, please. fear, fear. 
Okay, so uh, oh here's our here's what I wanted to talk about with with Pence. So oh, on February 26, 2020, President Trump placed Vice President Mike Pence in charge of the response to the coronavirus outbreak yeah. in the United States. Immediately there was outrage that Pence for of all people would be in charge of a national pandemic when he so poorly handled an HIV outbreak in the state of Indiana when he was governor. So let's go back oh, to what happened yes. during that time. So in, by 2013, when Pence became governor, HIV infection rates among people who use drugs had been declining year after year across the U.S. Yes. So remember, we talked going about in there late. He's in there in the 2000s. 2013. Yes. 2013. This wasn't that fucking long ago no, when this happened. Seven years ago. And we talked about the AIDS epidemic in one yes. of my episodes. This was like early 70s. Yes. Yes. Okay. And so we're 30 80s, years out. Yes. Yeah. We're 30, yeah. 40 years out of this. Right. And he, and this is what happens in Indiana from just this complete. Well, it's, it's bigot. It's, he's a bigot. Of course. So how, cause you hear HIV, he associates it with gay men. Like that's yeah. what happened in my he's brain. Ignorant. Yeah. He's ignorant. Meanwhile, it's dr- for it someone drug who, users. For, for, for all of his learning. Yeah. Is an idiot. Yes. Um, <laughs> your face is so funny. So mad. However, uh, even though it was declining year after year across the year, however, there were, was a lot of warning that Southern Indiana might be susceptible to an outbreak of HIV among people who injected drugs. Right. So this is not a gay yeah, no. thing, quote unquote. Okay. Well, which is why a, some places uh, offer, like California, they'll offer clean needles and mm, other things so that people can... Foreshadow. Okay. So in <laughs> Southern Indiana, there was evidence of prescription drug abuse, overdoses, and an outbreak of of hepatitis C virus among injection drug users. Mm. So experts proposed a needle exchange program to prevent further outbreaks, providing clean needles to people who use drugs who otherwise might share and spread the disease, but state law prohibited a needle exchange. It was hard for people even to learn. Please try not to freak out right now. It was hard for people even to learn they were infected because the only HIV testing provider in the area had been a Planned Parenthood clinic that closed because of state cuts supported by Pence. Jesus Christ. What, what, what kind of person is it? What kind of Christian is he that he would put people at risk? And again, with Planned Parenthood, like, yes, Planned Parenthood provides abortions, but it also provides medical care. But abortion is such a tiny, tiny percent of of what they do. It's like, I, like I they think it's provide, less than 1% or something. Like or screenings. I don't, know. don't, don't they, quote me on that. They provide yes. so much. Yes. So much. And I've said it before on the show. Like I went to Planned Parenthood yes. throughout college. It was where I could afford to go yes. to get my birth control, to go get my annual checkups. Like, me too. That was the only place I could go. I couldn't afford to go anywhere else as like a student. Come on. Well, here they really needed it and oh they didn't have God. it. So, um in November 2014, the first HIV infection in Scott County attributed to the, this outbreak was diagnosed. By January 2015, 17 new HIV infections oh, no. had been recorded, and the Indiana State Department of Health began an investigation. But it wasn't until late February 2015 that <gasps> Indiana state officials even notified local authorities in oh, Scott, Scott County about the crisis. And I know 17 new infections doesn't seem like a lot. That's a lot. But in a small area like this... Yes. For that to happen so quickly. Um, and then and that again, will continue to spread and spread and spread. And these are numbers that have been declining yes. forever. And all of a sudden there's this pop up and they're like, what the fuck? Um, but it's also unacceptable. that's why experts are kind of needed yeah. and needed to be believed because yeah. they warned you that this was going to happen. Yeah. Kind um, of like, <laughs> kind of like when Obama <laughs> talked about how there was be a worldwide pandemic and how we needed, yeah. you know. An infectious uh, disease and, office. Yeah, and then all that was shut down like Trump's first year in office because yeah. he doesn't believe in it. Right. Okay, just want to make sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Patterns. Yeah. Patterns. As late, as late as early March 2015, Pence still resisted calls to establish a needle exchange program. On. Even though state legislators from Pence's own party were now advocating for them. Because it's their communities, right? Yes. Come on. Pence supported the federal ban on needle exchange and about also his state's prohibition. A Republican state legislator, Ed Clear, told a reporter that Pence's staff members, members, quote, made it clear that he was categorically opposed to syringe exchange, period, end quote. After meeting... This is like wearing wearing masks. I know, but why? This is the same fucking thing. But why? What does it hurt? What harm... 
is he engaged in by allowing that like and and again it's the stigma of drug use it's or, almost yeah it's like it's, it's like handing out condoms right it's the stigma of drug use and understanding that drug use is tied with mental illness yeah and trauma and other things and and instead of like trying to help and support and provide help to people and also you just let them spiral yeah like again like you're the person who is this bible touting guy you're supposed to be the one that like goes into the community of the lepers right and tries to help people no no and because i have to we cannot be more clear about this it is the stigma of hiv and the gay community like that is that is this thing that's happening it's not about drug use for him that is what's in his little pea brain That's what's happening. It's all he's thinking about. Yeah. You know, um, after meeting with officials from the Indiana State Department of Health and the CDC and an evening telephone co- conversation with Scott County Sheriff Daniel McLean on March 23rd, Penn said he would, quote, go home and pray on it. And oh, God, that means he's going to go home and ask mother. <laughs> mother, what should yeah. I do? Yeah. He's the man, but, you know, mother's in charge. Oh, honey. Something's happening in that bedroom. That I know. I, I was know just thinking that. As fuck. Something's happening. Something is happening. Oh, God. Don't sue me. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, <laughs> March 25th, 2015, Governor Pence finally declared a public health emergency, which permitted needle exchange in the town. Several days later, an HIV ten- testing clinic opened. Oh, that's nice. In April 2015, after consultations with Indiana State Department of Health, CDC, and law enforcement, Pence established a temporary syringe exchange program for 30 days. Oh. Finally, in May 2015, Pence signed a bill that allowed counties in Indiana to apply to apply for permission to establish syringe exchange oh, so, programs. So let's just make, again, it's all about the red t- tape, yes. right? It's like so, you can ask. Excuse you, me. Yes. Can I please do this? Let me pray on it. Yeah. Meanwhile, people are getting applied for permission to do something. And then, then he gets back to you. Yeah. I mean, what, this is a waste of time. You're wasting time and money. Yes. Yes. You're wasting time and money and, and lives. Well, let's listen to this. So these exchange programs were temporary and did not receive state money. On that same day, Pence also undermined the effects of the new law, signing another bill that toughened the punishment for people found carrying needles. What is he doing? So you can exchange your needle, but, but if, if you get caught you, with it, you're going to go to jail. This doesn't make any sense. It upgraded possession of a syringe with intent to commit an offense with a controlled sub- substance from a misdemeanor to a felony charge. Are you kidding me? Subject to imprisonment for up to two and a half years. Come on. No. Criminalizing possession of syringes, even clean ones, without a prescription undermines efforts to slow transmission of HIV among injection this drug users disgusting. and may actually encourage needle sharing. Of course. This guy's disgusting. Is this his way of like, but he's like smart. getting rid of people? Like smart and dis- well, he wants to get rid of people. Well, well what, what use and are they to him? Yeah. What use are they? Oh my God. The damage was done. By, by 2017, a total of 215 cases oh of God. HIV had been attributed to the outbreak. Yeah, way to go. Way to go. When an analysis, In 20, what year? 2017. 2017. We're 40, yeah. 47 years out the, from the, the first the, HIV outbreak in America. It's disgusting. 47 years. And you know, I don't remember. Of experts telling them what they need to do. I don't remember hearing this. Uh, during the the campaign, I, we were oh, so focused on there Trump. was there was a little bit there was yeah. it was but then when this happened, it's like that's the guy who doesn't believe in science yes. and puts these yes. laws out that you're putting in charge of a fucking national pandemic. Yeah, the whole country, not this little town of yeah. like fucking what Austin to Coronas are. No, the entire country. Yeah. Forget it. Okay, when an analysis of the Indiana outbreak was performed by Greg Gon- Gonzalez, an assistant professor of Ed- epidemiology of microbial diseases and associate professor of law at Yale University and Forrest W. Crawford, an associate professor of biostatistics, statistics and data science at Yale University. They found that undiagnosed HIV infections peaked about two months before Pence declared a public health emergency after the rise of HIV had been detected, but the governor chose, but the, before the governor chose to act. Yeah, okay. so here we go. It's like this, it's Corona. Yeah. It's so the, Corona yeah. all over again. Because they're saying, oh, we shut down China, but you never yeah. told people to wear a mask. Yeah. It's the same thing. You didn't, as if he, you know, you had the outbreak in Washington State. Yes. And, you know, it was, this will be gone in a couple of days. This, yeah. is, you know, 
and and you can't now pretend that you're not at fault. Right. And I don't understand these people who listen to the words that come out of his mouth and say, no, he's doing the best job. Give me a break. No, he's a piece of shit. So using a mathematical model of epidemic dynamics, they estimated that up to 127 HIV infections could have been averted if Pence had implemented implemented public health measures like HIV testing and needle exchange proactively in 2013 when he had been urged to do so by experts in his state. According to researchers at the CDC and the National Institute on Drug Abuse, if public health measures to the Scott County outbreak had been implemented early enough, the outbreak would have been avoidable and preventable. It's disgusting. His inaction of governor as governor gave Austin, Indiana, with a population of around 4,200 people, a higher HIV incidence than any country in sub-Saharan Africa, said Dr. Tom Frieden, a former director of the CDC. This is, uh, that's what they needed to bring up at the debate. She should have said, you want to come at me with swine flu? Why yeah. don't we talk about your role yeah. in Indiana? Because it seems like 215 people aren't a lot. Like, I get that. You say that. That's like, a people lot. are like that. It's a lot when that's we're 47 lot. out, sort of 47 years out of a, out of, of, a, of, a, of a disease, a virus. That's like 47 years from now, people breaking out of a small town with fucking Corona. Yeah. And we'd be like, what? Yeah. How is this possible? Yeah. Well, I hope we're saying that. Like, I you know. know, but like, what the fuck? Well, yeah. or, or it's unbelievable. I know. He is a horrible, horrible person. And that's why, you know, where people are like, oh, Trump should drop out. Trump, I really, I don't want him to because I don't want people who are not going to vote for Trump. Yeah. To then go, oh, Trump's gone now, I'll vote for Pence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's got to make it through November 4th. Yeah. And then they'll both be gone. Yeah. God willing. Yeah, then, I cannot and then, get another. And then those Democrats better have some balls and they better pass <laughs> everything that they need to pass. And they better railroad everything important that needs to be done because it's we are done being nice. Oh, poor Because Tina. they don't play nice. Poor thing, honey. I know. I, you know, I, if I have to get another call from my mother about how how many points Pence or Pence that Biden is up. I, I don't want to like, look at, I, I, if I hear another poll, I, the I polls said, don't, don't matter. The this. polls, because people are going to go, oh, he's doing so well. And they may not vote. We don't have time for polls. Stop talking about polls. It's like 2016 all over Yeah, again. I can't. I told her, please don't call me with this anymore. Don't tell me about this. I said, I will believe it when I see it. Otherwise, Same. it's not, I'm not going to fucking get, go down that road. All right. We have to end on a happy note. <laughs> <laughs> what? My happy note. Okay. Let's see. <clears throat> Hmm. <laughs> I'm watching a show. I'm watching a show that I like. Yes. Um, my husband and I just started it last night. We watched one and a half episodes because I got sleepy. Um, but we watched one episode, and I don't know if you watched The Haunting of Hill House. I it cannot was get so it. So good. No, 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 no. So good. But now they have The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is from um, a Henry James story. So okay. that makes me happy. But it's so far pretty good. I don't know how you watch this so stuff. So creepy. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it's got children. No. So when children stop. are like creepy, like yes. that's even worse. No. It's children and like these little dolls everywhere. Ugh. So. Well, I just finished watching The Boys on Amazon. I think I already oh. brought it up on here before maybe. But it is, I love superhero stuff. I'm oh. a huge Marvel fan. and uh, But uh, this is superheroes that are psychotic. Oh. So it's as if superheroes... Like from the outside, everybody's like, oh, there's a guy that's like Superman. There's like a Wonder Woman, right. you know, but, but the Superman is like a, he's a sociopathic, like, oh, so it's like bizarro. So it's like bizarro world. Yeah. So like behind it's the scenes, doing he's the actually like stuff. killing people. They go, they break onto this plane to like save a plane of, uh, full of people, like save the plane. And he accidentally kills the pilot with his laser eyes. And he's like, well, there's no way let's just go. And they're all, they're all like, oh, he's here to save us. And then they starts to walk off and they're like, please. Oh. And the plane crashes, like 300 people die. And he's wow. like, what's the big deal? Like, he's just insane. He's in, I I'm like so this. scared of him. I that, know, but I like this yeah. because I, you know, we have all the hero movies, but most of the time I feel like people would not be heroic no. with power. So. They're like this guy. He's just insane. He's, scares the shit out of me so much that there's they do like an after show like they talk to the actors after the show on yeah. it's on amazon and i watched it and he came it's all on zoom and he, when he came up on it i was like <gasps> like i i said oh my god i gotta turn like oh, i'm sure he's, he's a perfectly scared. nice guy but he scares the shit out of me oh i need to watch it yeah it's very bloody it's very i dark. like that it's i dark, like dark because i'm not i'm not a big superhero person yeah so but the idea of a bad superhero 
I yes. would be more interested. Yes, in. it's really good. And um, the guy who's the showrunner and like you know, it, it was a it was a graphic novel, but yeah. you know, he um, is is very much anti Trump. But so there's a lot of the dangers uh, of, of power. Stuff. Like yeah. you know, he's not mentioned in it, but there's very much about that. And like the second season definitely is very much about Ooh, like unchecked yeah, power, baby. Like white privilege, white you know, yes. white supremacy, and like all this stuff. It's really really good. Oh, I'll have to definitely check it out. And I have to watch, um, I know Schitt's Creek has their final oh, season so has posted, good. but I haven't seen the final oh, season yet. So I have to start that. It's too. so good. And also, let me say this, the guy who plays Billy Butcher on The Boys, his name is Carl Urban. I'm fucking obsessed with him now. Ooh. Like I'm on his Instagram looking at like videos. Like, oh, I'd say you have to check him <gasps> out. Oh, I'm obsessed with him on the show. I've been still, of course, listening to my um, Talking Sopranos. Yeah. And... um. Michael Imperioli has his separate, like there's a Talking Sopranos Insta, but then there is Michael Imperioli has one and he's been posting. Really? He's been posting like a uh, picture, like he put one of the Bada Bing and he was like, <laughs> Trump showed up at the Bada Bing and he didn't tip, he didn't tip anyone. Ugh. He didn't even t- tip the bathroom boy, Papino. And, uh, <laughs> and he's like, vote, you know, you know, vote Biden. And then he'll put a picture. He put a picture of the Sopranos house with a Biden Harris sign in the yard. And but all these people are like, Tony would never like Trump. Like the, uh, these Republicans on there that uh, are like, why don't you stick to acting? You know, and now, oh, now they're insulting that. him. Yeah. Wait, and he so just does keeps he have putting his own on show. Michael Imperioli. Does he have his own podcast? So talking Sopranos is Michael Imperioli. Oh yeah, I'm saying besides that, this no, 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 no. He just has his own Instagram. Oh, got it, got it. And he's posting all these like Sopranos. Fantastic! It's so hilarious, and people are getting so pissed. He must have done like ten different posts. He kept like changing the picture out with these like cheesy photoshops, and I was like, I love this so much. (laughs) So good for him, making me happy. Good for him. Yes, using his platform for good. Yeah. All right. Well, I will see you next week. I will see you next week yes. after the election, Tina. Oh, God. It might be an episode. Let's listen. We have it to might figure just this be out. us crying. I got to tell you. I, I, I know. I, I, I don't know. Gonna, I am like. We're going to have to do like a Tuesday. We'll have to figure it out. Guys, we don't know what it'll be. It'll be a surprise to, to both of us. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll Bye. see you next week. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.